0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome into to an NFL Week 15 recap edition of the Road to Wire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Nick Whalen. I'm joined today by Adam Thompson from bookies.com. Uh, you know his work at bookies. You've heard him uh, on the various road to wire podcasts, the road to wire radio shows as well. Uh, Adam, I appreciate you stepping in for Jeff Erickson. He's getting a little early holiday action this week. Uh, hope Jeff enjoys his time off spending time with the family over the next couple of days, but uh really appreciate you stopping by Adam and looking forward to diving in on week 15.
2: Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, I had a uh, four fantasy teams in the playoffs. All right, this week a couple a couple earned first round buys, but had three teams in action. Uh, one of them did very well, one of them did not do so well, and the other one is TBD uh, after tonight.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I, I had mixed results as well. Um, you know, my decision to start Deontay Foreman uh, out of desperation in one league that did not pay <laughs> did off. Not that, that is negative uh, point six points for me right now in ESPN <laughs> scoring. Um, my decision to start Evan Ingram over Trey McBride. Also, not looking fantastic after last night. Uh, I would say I'm looking forward to breaking down Ravens-Jags. You know I'm not. There's a reason I'm wearing my Wisconsin Timber Rattlers hat, and usually I, I bring out the Jags hat after three straight losses for Jacksonville. I can't quite get there.
2: Yeah, and, and now uh, concussion protocol for Trevor Lawrence. You, that you don't need that, and he's a he's a durable, healthy guy. He's going to do what right. he can uh, to fake his way, even if he doesn't know his own name. Uh, he's going to try to he's going to try to get out there in a huge season. But uh, yeah, I uh, you know, my, not surprisingly, my team that uh, did not get it done in the playoffs uh, was led by Dak Prescott ah. um, and B. John Robinson. So uh Bus City, Dak, Dak put, uh, fantasy postseason is a lot, very similar to mm-hmm. Dak real life postseason uh, doesn't show up when you need him.
1: <laughs> All right. So I, I want to backtrack and, you know, we'll talk a little bit about Raiders Chargers on Thursday. I mean, I know it's been like over half a week at this point. You know, there's not a whole lot to say from that one, but um we'll, we'll start there we'll talk about the saturday games then we'll go game by game on sunday uh however adam i know you are also like me in the circa million contest where did you go this week and how did it turn out
2: let's see how did we go uh our f- favorite play was lions okay. uh that did very well um we went titans minus yep. two and a half that so should have we. gone well so did uh, we we thought, was... we, were, we thought we were We we thought were golden. That was very disappointing. Uh, don't uh. get me going on on Vrabel. Um, we do a oh, thing we'll called the uh, Next Coach Fired Odds, and uh, he skyrocketed up in my own personal, my own personal chart. <laughs> um, uh, we got the Eagles tonight. Um, that uh, that hopefully will go well. And I'm trying to think who else. Oh, we got the the Bears plus three and a half. Okay, I believe, and that did okay. And uh, uh, our last second pick. Uh, we were going back and forth between the Jets and the Patriots. And fortunately, it didn't matter yeah. <laughs> because neither one got it done. Um, we ended up going Jets. So that one, uh, after four first half yards, uh, we were pretty confident that wasn't going to hit. So hopefully we're at, we're at a three and two week. We're still mm-hmm. on the hunt. In the last eight weeks, we're about 63%. So we're doing pretty good. Um, still trying to make up for a, for about a two or three week stretch that uh, that hurt yeah. us. But we're still in the running for the money, but we're on the outside looking in right now.
1: Yeah, I think John and I are hanging around as well. I mean, we're we're not in it for the overall prize at this point, you know, barring just a I don't even I don't even know if we could go fifteen to zero the last three weeks and and still win it. But you know, they they do the quarterly prizes at Circa, so you know, kind of gives you a chance even if you have a bad couple of weeks to divide things up. And uh, we went four and one last week, three and two this week. Like I said, we were on the Titans yeah. as well. That that would have been like my five star play, like I, I especially getting it at two and a half in the circuit contest. I, I loved it. You know, Titans go up two scores early on. They get the pick six. Everything's looking great. Um, and and we'll, we'll break down what happened after that in a little bit. We went with the chiefs as well, hit on that one, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. That was a, an easy win last night. The Rams as well, made that one a little yeah. bit more uncomfortable than it needed to be at the end. And then John and I, we, we got a little bit over our skis. We went with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we, we, we both kind of had this premonition that the Cowboys were going to show up. They were going to buck the trend you know, this would be such a classic yeah. Dallas place to come up short. Uh, and that's exactly what the Cowboys ended up doing yesterday afternoon.
2: They were one of my top plays away from Circa uh, this week. I thought, you know, it, they have such a huge split between their home and away. It right. doesn't make any sense. How can you be that good at home and that poor on the road? And the Tennessee Titans are kind of one of those teams, too. They were at home. They should have gotten it done. They're averaging almost twice as many points at home and as on the road. But Buffalo, you know, it's a scary team. You know, they haven't been the Bills that we've been expecting, but now they're starting to kind of round into form at the right yeah. time.
1: Yeah, certainly looked the part yesterday. Uh, all right, let's back up. We'll do like a minute on Thursday Night Football because, again, it's it's been broken down to death at this point. My goodness. Yeah. My goodness, man. Um, you know, 63 points from the Raiders after scoring zero against Minnesota <laughs> last week. That's a Minnesota defense that allowed 27 to Jake Browning on a day when he didn't even play that well <laughs> on Saturday. I mean, again, there's not a whole lot to say here. I just want to touch on it because it's such a unique result. Like to me in the moment, this almost felt like more lopsided of a beatdown than the 70 to 20, uh, Miami Denver game early in the year.
2: Oh yeah. A 42, nothing at the half, you know, you try to find some takeaways from this game. There are no takeaways because the game was well over, uh, at the break. So, you know, what do you even look at? I mean, Austin Eckler five carries for nine yards. Uh, you know, that's not good. Easton stick, I guess he's the guy for the rest of the season, but you know, the, the head coach is gone. The GM went with them. Uh, we'll see, uh, you know, what the Chargers look like going forward. But, you yeah, know, that was, a, that was a, quite an end to the Staley era in L.A.
1: In some ways, maybe a good thing if you're a Chargers fan, because I don't think there were that many Staley supporters still lingering out there. And I, right. I think if the Chargers lose this game 24-21, you know, you could kind of say, well, it's Easton Stick. You know, what is he supposed to do? What what coach could find a way to win you know, with, with a backup quarterback and, you know, Herbert's been banged up all year, no Keenan Allen. Like there are, there are a number of excuses. I think you could have made for Brandon Staley, but the way this happened, just every single phase of the game, looking like a disaster, you know, including special teams, which was horrible for the chargers all night. Right. I, I think this made the decision easier for the chargers.
2: Yeah. And, you know, Vegas didn't have the running back. Uh, oh. They were probably going to try to rely on <laughs> quite a bit. Uh, right. They didn't need them. They didn't need anything. Uh, LA did a lot of exactly. uh, self self damage. Right,
1: and, and that's the thing. You know, it's not. It's one thing if the if you're going up against the 49ers with no Keenan Allen and, and no Justin Herbert, and you, you get right. smacked by forty, you're like, yeah, you know, I, I can see why that happened. But this was to me, this was a toss up game, right? I mean, the the Raiders are just as banged up. They're in the same situation with with their backup quarterback. You know, with, without Josh Jacobs, even Devontae Adams, we didn't know if he was going to play uh, until Thursday morning. Um, so I, I think to get this result, you know, maybe it's a net win overall for the Chargers, but we we'll agree to move on from this one. Uh we'll, we'll spare any Chargers fans listening live. I'm sure you don't want to hear any more talk about burn, this. Burn
2: the tape. Burn the tape.
1: Yeah, this is uh, an absolute burn the tape situation. Let's go to Saturday. Vikings-Bengals. Uh, This is a game, that, you know, I was on the Bengals. I, I, I didn't push quite hard enough to use them in Circa. I also don't, I don't love using the non-Sunday games just because you got to get those picks in, you know, a day early. You're, you're waiting on news from the Sunday games where you're maybe not comfortable with certain situations. For example, you know, we wanted to wait on, CJ Stroud and Nico Collins and, you know, didn't end up mattering, but, uh, I had a good feeling about Cincinnati. I didn't love how they started this game. I mean, they were down 17 to three at the end of the third quarter and, you know, kind of looked like they were uh, on the ropes multiple times. Even once they started getting the offense going late, you know, they gave up another touchdown that looked like it might seal it for Minnesota, uh, but a 24 to seven run in the fourth quarter and overtime by the Cincinnati Bengals to win this game, to win their third straight. And suddenly they're sitting at eight and six.
2: Yeah, I like Cincy and Jake Browning. You know, yeah, I guess he's the real deal. Uh, you know, a rookie coming in for Joe Burrow, and people are ready to give up on them. Uh, you know, he's led the way. He had 334 yards passing, averaged almost eight yards per attempt, uh, and they're able that they've that that's allowed them to successfully get away from Joe using Joe Mixon uh, 25 times in a game. So they are a pass to set up the run team still, uh, even mm-hmm. without Joe Burrow. You know, Mixon Mixon's carries. Uh, you know, I think he had 10 carries. That was the second lowest output he's had all season. Um, But he was averaging almost five yards a carry. So it's actually working for the Bengals. So if you're a Mixon person uh, in fantasy, you might want to second-guess that. And if you're playing in a championship or a semifinal, you're probably not a Joe Mixon person (laughs) at this point. Um, If you've been relying on him all season, but... Although he did have uh, I think he did have another touchdown, didn't he? I think he's got uh... He did,
1: and I believe that that was on a fourth down, right? When they right. You know, they, they had gotten stuffed on second down, stuffed on third down, and Mixon looked like he was gonna get stuffed on fourth down. And, you know, much like he had a similar play, I think it was in the Jacksonville game two weeks ago, where you know, just able to keep that knee uh you know from hitting the turf and, and stretch out into the end zone. I mean, that was huge at the time. Because if Cincinnati gets stuffed there, they probably don't win this game.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mixon actually has three touchdowns in the last three games. Yeah. So they, they're, you know, kudos to the coaching staff. They've, mm-hmm. you know, kind of just uh, kept hitting the ground running. And, you know, the AFC North is so much fun to watch. And all these teams are good. And Minnesota, Mick Mullins, uh, you know, he didn't do, he wasn't terrible. Um, and Ty Chandler suddenly looks like he can be yeah. the guy, it's, it's at least for another week uh, while Madison's out. So I don't think they're in a terrible spot. You needed to win that game. It didn't happen but uh, they'll have other opportunities and it seems like uh, even with uh, even with Justin Jefferson back yeah um, you know Jordan Addison was still part of the offense so that was good to see for uh, for those guys
1: yeah a couple big plays for Jordan Addison he goes six for 111 Jefferson seven for 84 I think he'll take that given the circumstances he had a a game high 10 targets a huge game for Mm -hmm. Ty Chandler who looked fantastic early on I mean that's part of the reason that Minnesota was able to build a multi-score lead and then Kind of felt like they got away from him, you know. They had those those back to back third, fourth, and shorts where they ran, they ran a tush push for some reason with, you know, like a, a hundred seventy pound, you know, Brandon Powell, you know, as the guy pushing Nick Mullins, who got zero push, you know, fumbled the snap, was kind of holding the ball behind him instead of trying to reach forward. You know, Mullins did play okay. Like if you just tuned in after halftime, you would think, oh boy, Nick Mullins looks like a disaster, right? I mean, he had that yeah. that bizarre, you know, pick where he kind of threw it right into a defensive tackle who was on the ground. Uh, you know, even, I think it was B.J. Hill <laughs> yeah. for, for since even said like, yeah, I have no idea why he threw that ball. I mean, that was, that was in like the Desmond Ritter category of, of comedic interceptions, but 26 of 33 for three Oh three on a defense that had started to play better over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, got away with some throws, you know, even one of the touchdowns probably should have for been picked sure. off. I mean, he could have had four or five interceptions in this game, but Minnesota's already come out and said that, that they expect to start Nick Mullins again, uh, in week 16.
2: Yeah, I mean, the ceiling is clearly higher with Mullins than it would be with Josh Dobbs. Yeah. Um, you know, he can get it downfield. Uh, you know, Dobbs had his fair share of, uh, you know, quirky blunders. Uh, and apparently Mullins just kind of picked up where he left off on there. But there's also more upside with yep. the Mullins.
1: Quirky blunders is a, a perfect way to put uh, the the end of the Josh Dobbs era. Uh, last thing I'll say on this one, <laughs> then we'll move on. You know, Jamar Chase, obviously we're monitoring him injury-wise. Uh played well, 4-for-64 before exiting uh, saw him you know in the fourth quarter they're calling him day-to-day ac joint sprain i mean he had that shoulder you couldn't really tell he kind of had it under a sweatshirt maybe he had a, a sling or a brace or some ice on it uh but you know we'll see i mean they, they haven't ruled him out yet for week 16 but that's going to be a situation to monitor there at the pittsburgh steelers and then t higgins i mean yardage wise you know, four for 61 it's not 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 an explosive game by any means but for a guy who struggled to have explosive games this season and struggled to stay healthy? I mean, huge play, one of the more impressive touchdown catches. You know, to to kind of reach around, reverse pivot, and extend that ball uh, over the pylon—that was massive. Um, yeah. And you know, had another one, another long one called back. So this could have been an even bigger day for T. Higgins.
2: Yeah, I mean, you obviously don't want to lose Chase at all, especially you're fighting uh, for your playoff lives here. But they have a lot of other receivers uh, available. You know, they have two very you know starter caliber receivers. None of them are Jamar Chase, uh, in my opinion, but uh, it's not the end of the world if he has to miss a game to get right uh, for the final few games.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: All right. Let's get to Steelers Colts. Oh boy. Not a lot to say about this one. I, uh, we, we avoided it in circa. I, I I kind of thought this might be a classic Mike Tomlin game, right? Where Steelers look terrible. Everybody's ready to write them off. and And this is where Mike Tomlin just finds a way to pull out one of these games. And the Steelers led this game 13 to nothing early on. If you were a Steelers backer, this looked like it was moving in your direction. Colts really couldn't do anything. Early in the game, you know Zach Moss leaves with an arm injury. All of a sudden, you're down to Trey Sermon and Tyler Goodson uh, as your running backs. Uh, turned out both of those guys were pretty effective. Twenty eight carries between Sermon and Goodson uh, for for over 150 yards. Indy finishes this game on a 30 to nothing run.
2: And Gardner Mitchell looked great. Uh, and I was ready to write them off. I was just, I was in the same boat. Uh, I didn't I didn't pick a side, but if I did, it was going to be the Steelers. Uh, all my things uh, pointed Pittsburgh minchu banged up and the minchu magic was just kind of starting to fade zach moss uh you know was banged up too and yeah he didn't even finish the game um and another bit mattered uh Najee harris uh, did nothing uh you know trubisky got benched um kenny pickett hopefully will be ne- next week uh for pittsburgh fans but jalen warren is basically the only bright spot you could take out uh and he's you know from fantasy purposes he's he had twice as many plays on the field Right. as uh, Najee Harris did. So that's something definitely to look forward to uh, if you're Pittsburgh, uh, otherwise a uh, huge disappointing game. And I don't know if Mike Tomlin's on the hot seat yet. Uh, I think cool. he's earned a little bit of a leash from his long tenure right. of, of success, but boy, you know, you, there's a lot of, a lot of things you'd not to like uh, about how the Steelers are kind of going about this season.
1: Yeah. I, you know, early on there moving the ball, Deontay Johnson got in the end zone, somebody who we've kind of been waiting to make an impact since he came back from injury, but you know, just yet another game where you're just so, so underwhelmed. And, you know, I always go back to they said this before the season. They said it when Kenny Pickett got hurt. You know, Mike Tomlin comes out and says, hey, we, we don't really feel like there's any drop off going from Kenny Pickett to Mitch Trubisky. There's a drop off, man. And I, I'm not even a big Kenny Pickett guy, but Mitch Trubisky is just there's something just so uninspiring about watching him. Like you, you just have no hope yeah. that, you know, there, there's any kind of, you know, like Gardner Minshew's not a great quarterback. He played well. You know, he had three touchdowns. He avoided, you know, the killer turnovers this week. And that's always the key for the Colts he brings like a fun variance. Like even when he's not playing well, you you kind of see you're like, all right, I like what this guy's doing. He's taking shots. He's willing to to take the chances necessary when you're a little bit overmatched with Trubisky, you just don't even feel that way, man. It's just balls are sailing all over the place. He had two picks. I mean, both of them were bad. Uh, I I feel bad for George Pickett too. It feels like every game we get that shot of him on the sidelines, just seething. Like, why am I stuck here?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, And he has reason to, Um, yeah. yeah, Trubisky, you know, at the start of the season, you thought, okay, if, if Peckett doesn't work out, you know, the Steelers have one of the top backup plans and Mason Rudolph was there too. Like they have a good yeah, quarterback well. room, but apparently, uh, you know, three quarterbacks, if you have three quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Uh, this is kind of where Pittsburgh is right now.
1: Yep. Yep. Michael Pittman, another injury to monitor, took a hard hit on kind of a diving attempt over the middle. Looks scary at first. Um, you know, it uh, could have been much worse. You know, he's in concussion protocol. We'll see about his status for week 16 and the Pittsburgh Steelers have already said that Micah Fitzpatrick will not be out there uh, against Cincinnati this coming week. So that's a a big, big hit to the Pittsburgh defense on Tomlin, by the way, I, I don't think he's on the hot seat. Like, I don't know how you could look at this. Like I I think it's a miracle that they're 500 right now. Right. I mean, how many coaches would have this team at 500?
2: Right. I mean, Kenny Pickett, uh, certainly, you know, no consistency that you can rely on uh, from your offensive end and Najee Harris, uh, who I drafted in a lot of leagues a couple of years ago is is not, uh, is not what I was hoping for. And, watts missed some time fitzpatrick uh you know aforementioned he's missed some time other guys uh and they're in the toughest division you know maybe in football yeah um, with everybody above 500 at 500 or more um yeah i i don't have tomlin uh, going anywhere either um but jonathan taylor should be back uh for the for the Colts, so that's a that's a plus hopefully they'll be back especially if zach moss uh, can't go right you you can slide taylor right in
1: Colts are at the Falcons and then home for the Raiders and the Texans to finish out their regular season schedule. Uh, All right, before we talk Broncos-Lions, get ready for the ultimate big-game parties at Circa Resort and Casino. Super Sunday is in Las Vegas this year. You can watch the big-game poolside at Stadium Swing's big-game viewing party. We're talking massive screen, booming game sound, and a view of the pyrotechnic and visual effects throughout the game. Snag the best seat in the sun with daybeds, poolside boxes, cabanas, and more. Or touchdown at the world's largest sportsbook, Circus Sports, for the Big Game Bash. We're talking three stories of football glory featuring a 78 million pixel screen. I think it's 143 foot across. I mean, this is a, a legit jumbotron out at Circa Swim. Book your seat with a variety of reservation options, including bottle service, open bar, stadium-style food, and more. Don't miss these legendary viewing experiences on February 11th. The Big Game parties only at Circa Resort and Casino, reserved today at circalasvegas.com. Broncos Lions, uh, one of your hits in the circuit contest, and this one hit big, Adam. You know, I I, I was pushing actually to, to just leave this one off the card. It's not like I felt strongly about Denver, uh, but you, you kind of wondered like, all right, what when is, when is this Lions team going to go back to the team, specifically on offense that we saw earlier in the season? I, I still have my concerns about the defense, which has slipped in a big, big way. Uh, Over the last five or six weeks, but you kind of knew offense was, was just kind of brewing under the surface. And they've had so many turnovers and fluky things that haven't gone their way uh, dating really back to that Thanksgiving game against green Bay. But this was, this was the Lions of old uh, that we saw and uh, maybe some frustrations taken out on the Broncos.
2: Yeah. And golf, you know, golf just needs to take care of the ball. And it's a, it's a different offense. And he's been much better at that at home than on the road, not counting the five interception game he had against the bears, uh, in front of a national audience. But you take that one game away, he only had one pick at home in the other six games. Um, and that running game, you know, they have a one two, you know, monster uh, going on in the backfield. And, and Denver, you know, they're, they're just kind of a smoke and mirrors team for me. Uh, won, they won, you know, they came in winning six of seven. Their defense certainly had, had been playing better, but I just wasn't feeling it. I'm still not feeling it. And on the offense, you know, if you can key on Javante Williams, uh, you know, Russell Wilson's kind of just become a, a you know, chuck and duck kind of quarterback. Uh, you know, most of his yards come on plays of 25, 30 yards or more. He's not leading teams down the field. He's chucking it up and hoping Cortland Sutton or Judy can come down with it. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's the offense right now for the Denver Broncos. So I'm not a, and, and, and Detroit, to their credit, you know, they focused on Williams and held him to about 2.3 yards per carry. Um, so it worked exactly. Russell Wilson could not lead him to lead uh, to anything, really. Um, and uh, Jared Goff looked great.
1: Yeah, Goff was fantastic, 24 of 34, five touchdowns. No picks for Jared Goff, no turnovers at all for this Lions team. St. Brown had himself a day, 7 for 112, and a score. Sam Laporta, three touchdowns, yeah. a couple of those coming late in the game. Doesn't matter, still counts the same for fantasy, five for 56 in those three scores. Uh, you know, I, early on, we, we saw the Broncos move the ball. You know, they, they got the ball for or, or, or after forcing a punt on the Lions' first possession. First play from scrimmage for Denver, you know, Russell Wilson – Hits Jerry Judy for a 40-yard game. And you're thinking, all right, we're, we're off and running here. Yeah. That ends with a Russell Wilson sack fumble uh, deep in Detroit territory. And really from there, uh the route was on. I mean, Denver actually got a few stops to begin this game. Detroit did not score at all in the first quarter. You know, it's not like they, they really hit the ground running, but picked things up in the third quarter. And, and once they got rolling, you know, scored on five straight possessions at one point, five straight touchdowns, three to end the second quarter, and then two to begin the third. And, you know, at that point it was out of hand. You mentioned Javante Williams, 12 for 27. You know, Samaje Ryan had a little bit more luck. That Some of that came in garbage time. Uh, I thought this would be a good spot for Javante Williams and for this Denver rushing attack, partially because, you know, Detroit has average yards on the ground. You know, 183 to Chicago, uh, over 100 to a bad Green Bay rushing offense. New Orleans over 100. Chicago again, almost 150 last week. And, you know, Denver now looks like the outlier uh, since the bye week for Detroit. I mean, this defense has struggled and just didn't really show through
2: at all. No, and I think uh, you know. I think moving forward, teams are going to put eight in the box against the Broncos, Uh, and I think that's kind of what they did. They said, "Okay, we're going to do whatever we can to stop." And uh, yeah, like you said, that's that's their weakness. They need to improve them on that. They put all the resources into doing it, and it worked. And then Russell Wilson just, uh, you know, they got they got some pressure on him. Uh, He wasn't able to do much other than just kind of throw it up in the air, and and which worked on occasion. Uh, He got some he got some chunk yards uh, out of that offense, and they ended up scoring a couple late, but. Yeah, it was it was a rough matchup, and Detroit. You know, they have that two headed monster, uh, Montgomery and Gibbs at running back. Both of them looked awesome. Um, You know, and Denver's defense obviously isn't great, but and it's not great for fantasy starters. You know, fantasy owners either if you have one or both of those guys. I looked it up; the last three games combined, I think Gibbs has been on the has been on the field for ninety nine plays, Montgomery for ninety three plays. So what do you do with that? Uh, you know, start them both, <laughs> try to get them both and and just hope they run the ball. But, you know, that's a concern going forward for fantasy owners and it's not a concern for Lions fans because they look great.
1: Yeah, it's a source of frustration, I think, in some ways, but it's it's the rare situation where both are productive, right? And both have been productive yeah. for for much of the year. Early on, you know, I think we were complaining about Jameer Gibbs' workload, but that's, that's changed. And, you know, it felt like when Montgomery missed a little bit of time in the middle of the season, I think Gibbs kind of proved to this coaching staff that he could handle – a larger workload and yeah both of those guys very very productive 11 for 100 on the ground for jabir gibbs also a touchdown in montgomery 17 carries for 85 yards 185 between the two for an average of 6.6 yards per carry not a big day through the air for jabir gibbs just two for eight but did get a touchdown there as well uh all right let's talk packers adam Ugh. All right. I, I assume this will be our, our longest breakdown of any game here. Um, <laughs> I, I, I assume your your group chats are much like mine. You know, almost all my friends are Packers fans. And it's just been the last 24 hours have just been a parade of people like sending tweets about how bad the Packers defense was. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you saw the, the PFF tweet. The Packers coverage grade on Sunday was the single worst that any unit across the NFL has had in five years.
2: And that's their strength. They just got Jair Alexander back, their Pro Bowl corner. They just got Stokely back. You thought this would be, and that was already their strength coming into the game. And Baker Mayfield goes into Lambeau and puts up the perfect rating. The first time ever an opposing quarterback has had a perfect rating at Lambeau, 158.3.
1: And of course, it's Baker Mayfield.
2: Yeah, of course, right? Actually, uh, the last, not the last Packer game, but one of the last Packer games I went with Baker Mayfield single-handedly handing the Packers a win uh, as a member of the Cleveland Browns, one of his final games as a member of the Cleveland Browns, I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, he turned it around. That offense looked awesome. Um, you know, Rashad White making him the the focus of this offense has been a huge correct decision, uh, yep. by, by Bowles and, and his staff. Um, and the, the receivers are still getting theirs as well. Um, yeah, I mean, they've had, I think two of their top three offensive games have been the last two weeks. So they're really figuring it out right now. And in a competitive NFC no- South, uh, now's a good time to figure it out. Rashad White is very quietly the RB4
1: in PPR leagues on the season. Uh, I mean, he's had a, a really nice you know run of six or seven games in a row here. And, you know, he's still way behind Christian McCaffrey, who's basically lapping the field in terms of running backs. But he's, he's not far behind Raheem Mostert. You know, he's basically even with Travis Etienne. He's got more fantasy points than Alvin Kamara, James Cook, Kyron Williams, Jameer Gibbs, guys like that. Uh, you know, it hasn't been a, a banner year in terms of running back depth. In fantasy football, but I don't think anybody had Rashad White hanging around anywhere near the top five uh, in terms of PPR, but he's been fantastic. I mean, 21 for 89 on the ground. Uh, Like you said, getting it done through the air feels like he breaks off, you know, one big catch and run every week now, Uh, two for 50 and a score through the air for Rashad White. Could have had more at the end. I mean, he slid down uh, in what could have been another touchdown late in this game, and this easily could have been 41 to 20 in favor of the Buccaneers uh, had they not made the smart play at the end. Baker. 381 yards and four touchdowns, 381, almost 200 in the first half alone. Chris Godwin had a career day, 10 for 155 on 12 targets. Green Bay just could not get off the field on third downs. That that to me was the biggest thing. I mean, 7.5 yards Mm -hmm. per play overall for this Tampa Bay offense, eight of 12 on third and fourth downs. Oh, just a, a brutal day for the Packers defense. I'm sure you're, you're seeing all like the, the all 22 screenshots now of, you know, it's third and two. And for some reason, the Packers safeties are 25 yards uh, off oh, the line yeah. of scrimmage. Joe Barry's getting fired at some point. I, I really think if Matt LaFleur wants to keep his job, he's going to have to fire Joe Barry. Do you think that comes before the end of the regular season? Is is there any, is there any point to that if you're the Packers?
2: You know, if it didn't come today, uh, maybe it won't come yeah. until the end of the season because it's just too tough of a transition Maybe he doesn't have somebody in mind. Maybe Jim Leonard is uh, sitting by his phone waiting, uh, you I know, again so. for a call. Um, but, yeah, that, that defense, uh, you know, it, it has struggled to stop the run pretty much all year. Uh, but it struggled to stop anything. And Baker Mayfield, he's going to single-handedly win you games. And he's going to single-handedly cost you games. Um, but, you know, he's getting older. He's getting more mature. You know, not every quarterback can be a star in year one, year two, year three. Sometimes it takes year four, year five, year six when you can really kind of showcase your potential and you know, he's got weapons there and he's, he's using them. The, the usage is interesting. The last two weeks when they've really kind of figured it out, they're really hitting their stride. Godwin is getting more targets than Evans this past two weeks. He has 11 targets and 12 targets last two weeks. Evans is at six and six. So I don't know if that's a uh, subconscious conscious part of the game plan. It's just an interesting trend.
1: Yeah. Mike Evans still found his way into the end zone four for 57 and a score. His fantastic season continued uh you're right about this Green Bay defense though. I mean, it's it's been like this all year, right? I mean, they it's not like they they, they were great early and you know they have had their ups and downs. Like it's shown up at times. Um, but you know, a lot of their their plus defensive games on the year, you know, have come against advantageous quarterbacks, right? You think the you know the Brett Ripon game against the Rams, like that was by far their best defensive performance of the year. But every time they're playing a real quarterback, um, you know, they they seem to struggle. And that's just that's really kicked into high gear over these last couple of weeks. I mean, back to back giving up you know, almost 100 rushing yards to Tommy DeVito last week, You know, letting him just dice up that defense and then Baker Mayfield in back-to-back weeks. I mean, Green Bay, they're not out of it. They're at Carolina, they're at Minnesota, and then they got the Bears at home these last three. But uh, going to need some help now, will the Green Bay Packers, to find their way into the postseason. Uh, we, we did get Aaron Jones back in the mix, worth noting for fantasy, 13 for 53. Did feel to me, as usual, Adam, that this team you know, pounded Aaron Jones early and then you're, you're, you're watching this game you know, kind of going through that that thought process of why is Aaron Jones not touching the ball? Why why have we, why does it feel like we've gone three series in a row where Aaron Jones is barely involved?
2: Yeah, and that's kind of a trend. That's kind of a troubling trend that the Packers seem to do. They they go really heavy on the run, and then they just kind of forget about it uh, at some point. You know, they get they get behind, they just start uh, they just start throwing it a little too much. Uh, you know, and, and we saw it again. Aaron Jones looked looked great. Uh, he looked healthy. No AJ Dillon, um, and we'll see moving forward if he's going to be back, but no Christian Watson either. Yeah. Um, so, and Jaron, Reed got hurt. Uh, I think he'll, he'll be fine. It sounds like, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's a banged up unit. They were missing their top offensive tackle again for the whole yep. season, the top wide receiver, the top running back's been missing. Quay Walker missed some games Their top linebacker, top D back. I mean, they're just, they're complete disaster. Uh, uh you right. know, they strength and conditioning coach maybe should go the same day as the defensive coordinator. Cause uh, it's been a mess in green Bay.
1: Well, everybody's banged up, but the, it feels like the Packers. It's it's been more impactful injuries. You know, it's like it's like your key players at every position feel like the ones that are that are down due to injury. It's like they they're not necessarily losing depth; they're losing premier talent every single week. And the Jair Alexander situation, I don't know what's going on. I mean, there's a tweet pregame that you know he was nowhere to be seen. You know, every other player who is on IR or injured or inactive, they're at least on the sideline. You know, they're they're kind of walking around during warm-ups, They're out there supporting their team. Jair Alexander nowhere to be found. So I, I, I still have yet to see really anything definitive as to what's going on there.
2: Yeah, you know, he, they show him in the locker room, but you know, the week leading up to a game, and he seems healthy. He's braggadocious. He's confident. He's ready to rock, and then he's inactive uh, yeah. on Sunday. So there maybe there's something more to it. Uh, I, I don't there's. know, but uh, yeah, it's it's a bizarre situation that needs to get fixed.
1: Before we talk Bears-Browns, we got a message from our friends over at OddsR. Are Are you ready to revolutionize your sports betting approach? Begin with a two-week free trial at OddsR.com, where cutting-edge AI technology sharpens your edge in the betting game. Benefit from our proven two-year track record, boasting a 60% accuracy rate and an impressive 10% ROI. The OddsR AI meticulously sifts through extensive data to reveal high-value, green-value plays, guiding you towards smarter betting decisions. And it's not just about the numbers. The Odds R app is exceptionally user friendly and it's crafted to be your go to betting advisor right at your fingertips. Jumpstart your journey to betting smarter and more successfully. Simply visit the iOS or the Google Play Store, download the Odds R app, and step into a world of confident betting. Your path to a more strategic betting experience starts with our two week free trial. Download today, We're smart technology triumphs over luck again that's the odds are app o d d s r just the letter r odds are uh all right bears browns Th- this is one that we avoided in the circuit contest adam but i was pretty pretty highly leveraged in the chicago bears uh in some of my other betting interests and look i, I know what i'm getting myself into when i'm betting the chicago bears to to win a game outright that that's really you know what, what i had going bears money line you know my pickup league went really big on chicago this week I should feel like won. the bears were they the better team for two and a half quarters, three quarters. Uh, you know, To me, there was a, a key fourth down, you know, the bears had generated some turnovers, you know, Joe Flacco really for the, the third week in a row, you know, has, he's had a lot of ups. He's also throwing some Joe Flacco picks. You know, we, we saw him kind of throw the, the Jags back into that game last week. Bears were up mm-hmm. two scores early in the fourth quarter. They had a fourth and one at the Cleveland 33 yard line, opted not to take the long field goal. They they run what, what I thought was actually a pretty well schemed play. You got Justin Fields running to the outside, and almost always Justin Fields finds a way to to you know outpace that defender, get to the edge, stretch that ball out, get the first down. Yeah, you know, the defender just barely got enough uh, of Justin Fields' feet, tripped him up, and he ends up kind of face planting like two inches before the first down marker. And, and really, from there, once the Bears didn't get that, you, you knew the door was open.
2: Yeah, and Flacco, you know, he's speaking of chugging and ducking. You know, th- this Browns team is completely revamped their offense since Flacco's has in there instead of being this run team and you know yep. ford ford was pretty inconsistent uh you know it's tough to rely on him but now that they have a guy that can really throw the ball you know off his rocking chair you know <laughs> to go right on the field they've thrown between 4 30 was it 43 and 44 times and all three starts for joe flacco yep. so this is becoming a pass-based team um so pretty wild you know he he you know, like you said, Flacco. You know, he threw three picks, uh, but he also willed the way. Uh, you know, willed the Browns back into it um, with that long pass uh, to Cooper. Nice play by Cooper. Um, and you know, they have a chance. Uh, you know, I mean, Houston. They play Houston next week. That's a bottom ten pass defense. They play the Jets. You know, if if that's for your fantasy title and you're thinking about Flacco, maybe think again. And then they play the Bengals in last in the last week. That's going to be a heck of a game. They're a bottom. Uh, they're a bottom past events too. So yeah, yeah I, I like what I've seen with Flacco. You know, I don't, is it sustainable? I don't know, but that defense could keep him in, in games enough.
1: You're right about the dramatic run pass split, right? I mean, early in the season, it was just pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball. You're, you're ripping off 150 plus rushing yards every game. And it wasn't always efficient. It was just a volume play because it, you didn't trust Dorian Thompson, Robinson and PJ Walker and banged up to Sean Watson to do anything through the air. But we have seen a, a complete reversal And, you know, Cleveland's turned the ball over seven times in the last three games with Joe Flacco. They've also forced seven turnovers in the last three games as well. So that defense, you know, part of the reason I was on Chicago this week is there were so many injuries for Cleveland. I mean, not only at the offensive line, but all over the defense. Yeah. I still don't think Miles Garrett is at hundred percent. And you just wondered is, yeah, how much is too much, right? This is a team that's, that's really well coached and they have depth, but man, when you're missing as many guys as they were missing, I really thought like this might be a spot for them to come out flat. and. Early on, they did. I mean, they had, they had seven points through three quarters. But once again, we saw Joe Flacco, you know, whenever he needs to you know, convert a big third down, it feels like they have something. And uh, it's just a, a vastly more competent and more confident passing game with Joe Flacco out there. He is He's resurrected Amari Cooper. He's completely resurrected David Njoku, who's had like two of the best weeks of his career now, back to back. He goes 10 for 104 and a touchdown yesterday on 14 targets. Uh, even Elijah Moore, who, is, who was really quiet yesterday, like there's... There's a connection there with him, and and you can tell. I mean, this is a night and day passing game from what it had been early in the season. On the Chicago side of things, not a lot going on the ground, really, for either team. Neither team could run the ball whatsoever. Uh, Chicago was hovering around three yards per carry. You take Justin Fields out of the equation, it was worse. Uh, I mean, Cleveland, absolutely nothing on the ground against what's been a pretty good Chicago run defense. You see the two picks for Justin Fields. Both of those were Hail Marys, uh, one at the end of the second quarter, one oh. at the end of the game. Uh so those were not, you know, not really a reflection of how Fields played. Yeah. We could talk about the drop, the quote unquote drop on the Hail Mary by Mooney. I mean, obviously you'd like to say you should make that catch in a kind of a scramble, weird situation like that. I think it's a lot harder than it looks. But X Packer, Robert Tunyon, with with maybe the drop of the year on what would have been a long touchdown early on.
2: <laughs> yeah, they had opportunities uh in the past game. Fields' stats were not good. 18 of 40. No uh was his passing two picks uh you know dj mark dj moore you know I, I, that's tough the hail mary the, you know there's yeah. a, 10 people in there smashing into each other the ball just kind of falls into his lap but that's that's a tough play to make but you know when you have no run support uh you know herbert and foreman combined for 12 carries for two yards yeah uh and and justin fields i think has proved that he can't be a guy that if you need him to throw 40 times a game it's going to work out um so it didn't work out. Um, it, it very well could have, um, but Cleveland's defense is obviously very good. And they found the, they found a game plan uh, for that offense.
1: Yeah. Chicago four of 20 uh, attempted to convert third and fourth downs in this game, which is, is really what it came down to for the bears. They were
2: moving the ball, but they, they
1: really couldn't move the chains. Texans Titans. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, yeah. You and I were not alone. I know taking the Titans here at two and a half was one of the most popular picks of the week in the circuit contest. And I, I, I felt great about this, man. Um, I, I would have rather seen Davis Mills than Case Keenum, uh, but but Case Keenum provided yeah. a lot of the same variance that you see for Mills. You know, made some throws, probably should have been picked off two or three more times than he was and only ended up with one pick. But, I mean, Tennessee had two, you know, late in the fourth quarter alone that probably should have been intercepted. Um, how surprising was it to you that Tennessee could not run the ball whatsoever? I, I know Houston, you know, they've been, they've been a better defense than maybe their talent would apply, but – you know, they're extremely banged up all over their roster as well. You know, no Will Anderson in this game. And Derrick Henry, I, I think without looking, this has to be the least efficient game he's ever played at any level. 16 carries for nine
2: yards. Yeah, and six of them are on one carry. Um, right. You know That's his third game this season with 25 yards or less. Yeah, And all those other games were on the road. His previous low at home was 76 yards. So does that mean, was it an outlier or is this kind of the beginning of the end of the Derrick Henry uh, era? You know, running backs, you know, he's taken a pounding, obviously. He's led the league in, you know, rushing attempts, rushing yards uh, multiple times. Um, you know, and Houston has a, a, an OKD, okay but Will Anderson wasn't in there. Um, but give them credit. They, you know, they made him stop. <laughs> they, they stopped him in his tracks. Um, and, and Will Levis, you know, I think Will Levis has a future in this league. He's got a gun of an arm. Uh, His, you know, his decision-making is still hit or miss. He had some, you know, near picks that should have been picked. He had some catches that shouldn't have been caught. Um, But, you know, uh, overall, you know, it was just disappointing when you put it all together for Tennessee that Case Keenum comes in. uh, Houston's missing, you know, this young team that uh, wasn't any good last year, comes in with, without their top offensive player, without their top defensive player, and pulls out an overtime win uh, against you. So uh, just a very disappointing and, you know, a, a lot to be happy about if you're Houston. Uh-huh. But Singletary, too, I, you know, I, there's another guy I drafted a lot because I, I just like what I saw of him in college. Right. He never got a true, fair shake being that guy. You know, Buffalo seemed like he was, they were always trying to replace Devin Singletary as their RB1. He kept beating the talent uh, away, but he got 26 carries in this game. Damian Pierce got one. Uh-huh. Um, so if that doesn't show you something, uh, you know, and, and that's probably going to weed the way moving forward considering how this game went.
1: Yeah, I think when, when Damien Pierce got hurt midseason and Singletary stepped in and all of a sudden they had they had a rushing offense. You know, I, I think that kind of sealed yeah. it for Damian Pierce. And, and nothing against him. I mean, he's been in a, a terrible situation and obviously made the most of it last uh last season. But I mean he was he was basically their third running back. You know, if you look at the snaps, he only played four snaps. Daria Goomba Wale, uh, ex-badger played 15 and then 58 for Singletary. So I, I think it's pretty obvious that this is his job going forward. And Singletary finishes 26 for 121. It should have had, what, 30 more yards and a touchdown? Uh, they ha- had a hold that that nullified what would have been the the game winner in overtime. They end up settling for a long field goal to win it instead. But, I mean, so many opportunities for the Titans, not only to win this game late. Uh, if you count overtime, they ended up punting on their final four drives. You know, any any single one of those, if you get points, you probably win the game. Uh, but, you know, even throughout the second half, you know, they, they were up 13 to nothing. You know, you allow a field goal just before half, you get the ball back, immediately throw a pick on your first possession in the second half. And it just felt like if Tennessee could just could put up one touchdown at any point in the second half, that probably would have been enough. But you started to yeah. get the feeling that, man, if you, if you just keep punting it back to this Houston team over and over and over again, eventually they're going to get lucky and they're going to find something. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, Fantasy wise, not a whole lot else to to take away from this. You mentioned, you know, Levis had a couple balls that probably shouldn't have been caught. I, I assume you're talking about both of the catches by Chris Moore. Uh, the second yes. of which I, I don't know how that wasn't intercepted. I mean, just a, an incredible play by Moore to kind of go up and yeah. over the defender kind of a would have been an over the back violation in the NBA, uh, but he bailed out Will Levis a couple of times. Uh, was not a great day by any means for DeAndre Hopkins, who had kind of found something with Levis on and off these last few weeks. Two for 21 on nine targets for DeAndre Hopkins, who just couldn't bring anything down. Uh, going deep, Will Levis, by the way, you know, ended up leaving this game late. Uh, sounds like it's not nearly as severe as it looked. I mean, initially, yeah, you know, he goes down, I think it was on his seventh sack of the astro- afternoon, which is. Insane. Again, no Will Anderson for the Houston Texans. I mean, the Titans offensive line, my God, we can talk about the, you know, the the lack of a running game, but the lack of protection for Will Levis to me was maybe the bigger story. Uh, But Levis, you know, escapes with with what they're calling an ankle sprain. We'll see what his status ends up being next week. But uh, if he's unable to go, then I would imagine we're back to Ryan Tannehill.
2: Yeah. And like you said, you know, this whole line is kind of where it starts. Uh, You know, Henry, Henry did not hit the holes very fast, but it didn't matter because I don't think they were there anyway, uh half the time. He was just kind of, you know, they did a direct snap to him and the crowd booed because it, it didn't even get a yard. I don't think it was uh it was ugly. And and that was kind of the you know, that was the main concern going into the season is this was a right. bottom tier O-line with uh, with Tannehill who needed time and Henry who, you know, g- gets four hundred carries and and you know can't get smashed every time he gets to the line of scrimmage. And unfortunately none of those things have happened because the O line's been a disaster. Yeah.
1: Rotowire is proud to partner with Splash Sports for the 2023 fantasy football season. Splash empowers gaming commissioners to earn by creating contests. Commissioners can set up contests, add their style, and enjoy the evolving Splash Sports platform for customized preferences from daily to season-long contests. Splash Sports caters to various playing styles like DFS, Pick'em, and Traditional Survivor. And unlike traditional books, Splash Sports pits you against friends and family, not the house. Splash goes beyond betting, a space where friends could connect, strategize, and share. In the excitement of sports, RotoWire will be running weekly DFS tiers contests on Splash Sports all season. Can you beat the RotoWire experts? Go to RotoWire.com/slash/splash to enter today. Jets Dolphins. I uh, don't have a lot of notes on this one. Believe it or not, Adam. Uh, what I have written down is by God, Jets. Uh, and then my my only other note is Trevor Simeon threw two of the funniest picks that we've seen all year. That's that's about all I got.
2: <laughs> well, I have down Jets four yards in the first half um so yeah you want to talk about you know takeaways that you can take away from this game nope there are no takeaways now I will say you know defense is pretty awesome it's shut down a lot of quarterback it's it's harassed and hassled a lot of people this season and no Tyreek Hill and it didn't matter at all the two it was 20 of 26 threw for uh 200 some odd yards Waddle had a great game um but that's about it uh you know the Jets you know, I, I'm pretty sure Rodgers is not going to come back and and stand in front of that old line. Uh, there'd be no point to it whatsoever. No yeah. holes, no protection. Zach Wilson, uh, you know, took another hard, you know, he, he's, he's done again. Um, you know, poor guy. But, uh, yeah, not not much to take away from this one. Uh, move on for, you know, you, it's move on time for both teams. Uh, I think the Jets are done yeah. and the Dolphins are trying to get that one seed.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a nice bounce back for, for Miami. We should give them credit, right? But no Tyreek Hill, you know, the way they blew that game last week against Tennessee, I think some doubt really started to creep in. And we saw this number, you know, move and move and move in favor of the Jets. I know a lot of people were on New York to at least cover this game. And, you know, I, I think we we some people maybe got sucked into Zach Wilson playing well last week and thinking, uh, you know, maybe he's finally found something. This is how it goes every time that Zach Wilson shows any glimmer Correct. of hope. This is exactly what happens the following week. I mean, he didn't even make it through this game. He was out at halftime, 4 of 11 for 26 yards against a defense that was hemorrhaging yards last week to Will Levis. So I, you know, I mean, I had my doubts about Miami as well. You know, once you get the news that Tyreek Hill was ruled out yesterday morning, you're like, all right, well, this, this could be at least interesting, right? We saw this offense completely struggle when Tyreek was out of the game last week. But, um, you know, this, this this to me was, it, it feels like kind of just a throwaway win over a bad team in the Jets. But I actually feel like Miami sent somewhat of a message here that, hey, we can actually move the ball without
2: Tyreek Hill. Yeah, because the Jets have, have been successful with no offense before. Uh, this defense yep. is, has has single handedly uh, delivered a few wins, but that wasn't happening today. They did a really good job. And Zach Wilson, you know, he's it's like that uh, the girl who keeps bringing back the old boyfriend. Oh, he's changed. He's you know, he's he's not the same guy he was before. He's he's mature. Nope. Yeah. And you know, then one week later, nope. He is he is actually who we thought he was. Um, mm-hmm. So time to move on. Time to move on from every era. The Simeon era, the Wilson era, you know, just just blow it all up and start next year again with Rodgers.
1: Yeah. Zach Wilson did did leave with a concussion for what it's worth. I mean, I, I think he might've been benched anyway. Uh, he is in concussion protocol. So we will see. Uh, yeah, when who, his started, status who, who starts for the
2: Jets next year? Like what do you even, or next week? What do you even do? Simeon? I mean,
1: it's gotta be Simeon, right? I, I think you're just, I mean, <laughs> Ripon is on the roster as well. That would be your other option. And I, Rippin, I think if you're the Jets no. at this point, you are, any hope of of Rogers coming back or somehow sneaking out a wild card spot. I mean that's that's gone. So I, I think you're you're better off finding ways to to lose as many of these last three as you can. They are home for the commanders at the Browns, uh, and then at the New England Patriots in week eighteen, which will wow. that'll be a fun bad game. I'm looking forward to watching that. Speaking of the Patriots, uh, they were home for the Kansas City Chiefs this week, end up losing twenty seven to seventeen. Chiefs get the cover. It was a convincing win for Kansas City. Maybe not quite as convincing as you'd like Uh, if you're a Chiefs fan. It was good to see Clyde Edwards Alaire making an impact. I mean, he had one of the more like improbable touchdown catches that I can remember. Like, I I didn't really know he could get up like that, uh, especially since it seems like he's on like the Mike Tolbert workout plan these last couple of years. But uh, no Isaiah Pacheco for the Chiefs. And we, we saw Jared McKinnon find his way into the end zone as well. Edwards Alaire, four for 64 in that touchdown through the air 13 for 37 on the ground, you know, nobody can really run on new England. That's the one thing they do have in their back pocket as a positive this year. Uh, So I I don't put too much stock into, you know, a poor rushing day for the Kansas city chiefs. You know, what what John McKechnie and I discussed last week coming into this was, you know, it's such an obvious, you know, kind of get right spot for the Kansas city chiefs. And, and what I was wondering is like, are the chiefs capable of that? Like, will they show us that, Hey, we're still capable of piling it on a bad team and, you know, again, this was a convincing win. You know, it, it, they easily could have tacked on another score. You know, they, they actually took a knee on fourth down deep in New England territory with time left, like with the, with the Patriots yeah. getting the ball back, which I thought was interesting, uh, rather than just kicking a field goal or even trying to punch it in. Um, so this is a game that Kansas City could have gotten to at least 30 if they wanted to. Um, but at the same time, it's just, you know, some of those mistakes that that, that we've criticized the Chiefs for throughout the year. You know, Canarias Tony, another perfect pass going right off of his hands, picked off, uh, you know, you could get away with that against New England because they can't move the ball. But I, I still don't feel like this was a dominant, you know, war back type of game by the chiefs.
2: Yeah. They have, they have a lot of serious concerns going into an AFC playoffs that has some extremely talented teams that they're going to need to win a, shootouts uh, against, you know, they've, okay. they've had good defenses, but you know, in New England, you know, they've held what three of the last four opponents at 10 points or less. They didn't win those games because the offense is such a disaster, but you know kansas city they they prove something um you know they you know Mahomes over 300 yards you know without without the pacheco obviously in there uh you know there there's there's something to take away from them i think as far as new england goes you know Stevenson, they need they need him back um you know zeke is just not the not the workhorse that you know he played well last week this week 11 carries 25 yards so he's kind of back um to where it was you know one interesting thing is uh hunter henry has really you know Kind of benefited from bailey zappy yeah um there he's, he's scoring touch. you know he, would, he had nine targets today at two touchdowns last week so he's kind of been the guy that uh you know if you're looking for him, a fantasy if you're trying to find something in here that you may not be able to find uh other than mckinnon scoring that that was nice but i think pacheco will kind of take away from that hunter henry uh if somebody needs a tight end out there for the stretch run he might not be a bad choice um you know and they're playing two tight ends a lot in the last couple weeks um you know Gusecki's playing. Henry's out there almost 90% of snaps. Farrell Brown is playing almost half the snaps. So they're having, you know, they got a lot of two tight end sets. I I guess give credit to Belichick. He's trying to, he's trying, he's trying to figure out something. Uh, None of it's working, but at least he's throwing things against the wall to see if they stick.
1: Yeah. And Hunter Hunter Henry had another touchdown nullified by a penalty as well. So this could have been, you know, two straight multi-TD games for him. So that's a good note there. Uh, Travis Kelsey looked like he got banged up at one point, you know, didn't emerge, with anything of real concern, there's no injury tag as of right now, but something to keep an eye on, you know, kind of look like he got his, his arm, you know, rolled up on, but uh, again, it looks like he escaped uh, anything major. I, I don't really have much else other than Rashid Rice, who, you know, continues to come on at the right time for fantasy purposes. Uh, you know, the, the snap count is on the rise every single week. He was only off the field for five offensive plays this week for the chiefs. I mean, that is huge for a guy who early on in the season was still building that rapport with Patrick Mahomes. He's got at least seven catches for 60 yards in each of his last four games. He's got a touchdown in three of those last four. I mean, to me, maybe this doesn't mean all that much given what else is going on in that receiving core, but he is like far and away now Patrick Mahomes' most trusted target.
2: Yeah. And you got to find somebody. You can't rely on your tight end all the time. Uh, eventually they'll figure that out. There needs to be some kind of at least threat uh, on the outside. I and mean, yeah, I think Rice, uh, you know, the door has been open for somebody to take it. And I think uh, Rice is the guy who's taking it.
1: Giants Saints, New Orleans 24, New York Giants 6. Uh, things came back down to earth a little bit for Tommy DeVito and that Giants offense. He ended up leaving the game briefly. Uh, We've we got a, a glimpse of Tyrod Taylor as DeVito went back to the locker room, ended up coming back to the game. Uh, I, I actually thought this would be maybe a dangerous spot for New Orleans, you know, a team that we haven't really been able to trust against just about anybody this year. Uh, another team that's super banged up, You know, we found out. On Saturday, the Chris Olave would not be out there. You start to worry about the amount of weapons, especially for a Giants defense that had started to play better. And you know the Giants did a decent job against the run. You know held Alvin Kamara in check, sixteen for sixty-six. You know it wasn't really a banner day uh, for Jamal Williams. Didn't really see a whole lot of Taysom Hill in the running game or the passing game for that matter. Uh, and yet, I, I think you could make a case that Derek Carr played his best game of the season.
2: Yeah, I mean, you you miss your you know, your security blanket in Olave. And you know you still throw three touchdowns, don't throw a pick, which is huge for him. Uh, Kamara was his top target, uh, mm-hmm. five five catches for forty four yards. So that's kind of instead of the old Kamara, which we've been seeing, now we see the Kamara of old, um, which I think seen, you know, which New Orleans kind of went. I thought the Giants would would stick. Uh, I thought they I would too. stick around in this one. I thought they'd cover plus, at least. Yeah, plus six. I actually like that number. It ended up being one of my kind of final ones. I didn't take, um, but uh, you know, Saquon Barkley, you know, fourteen yards on the ground. They kind of, you know, started going on the pass and, and DeVito, you know, DeVito made up for it in, in his own way, uh, rushing the ball, but New Orleans defense, just highly inconsistent. I thought they'd be a top unit. They just haven't been quite to what I you know was expecting, but they're turning it around um, and they're right there in the hunt uh, for a divisional title.
1: Yeah. They finish out at the Rams, at the Buccaneers, home for the Atlanta Falcons. So yeah, obviously all three of those, those NFC yeah, South teams uh, kind of control their own
2: destiny. Now their playoffs have already started essentially <laughs> went through those, those three games. If you lose one of them, uh, it's a huge tiebreaker you're, you're dropping.
1: Yeah. Tampa Bay, uh, against Jacksonville this week as well. That's a, a huge game for both Massive of those. And game. one that I yeah. am not looking forward to, to sweating out on Sunday. Uh, not much <laughs> else to say here. I mean, the giants for fantasy purposes, yeah. there's not a lot going on. Um, uh, yeah, you just, you just feel bad for Saquon Barkley most weeks. He goes nine for 14, two for 23 through the air. Darren Waller, Back in the mix, four for 40 on six targets. That was good to see, uh, but maybe too little too late for, for those who invested in Darren Waller and fantasy. And then the only other note I have is you know, just kind of interesting wide receiver usage. You know, obviously Michael Thomas is out, uh, no Chris Olave this week. Hopefully he'll be back in week 16, but there was not really an obvious beneficiary. You know, Lynn Bowden, uh, ex-Kentucky quarterback, ended up leading the Saints in snaps. Rashid Jaheed just behind him, then A.T. Perry, Keith Kirkwood, Marquez Calloway in the mix as well. but. Uh, No Saints receiver ended up with with more than five targets. So you know, if Crystal Lave were to miss another week, I don't know that there's really an obvious pivot at this point. Let's get to Falcons-Panthers. Oh, oh boy. Let's see if we can do this one in like 20 seconds. Uh, (laughs) Nine to seven in favor of the Carolina Panthers. (laughs) And both of their wins this season, Adam, have come in like the exact same fashion where they're, (laughs) it's almost funny to watch where it's like, they know they're going to win. You know, they're setting up for what's basically like an old school extra point field goal at the end of this one. And, you know, they're scrambling, they're taking multiple knees, they're running the clock down. And you could just like sense the excitement from Carolina. Like, Oh man, <laughs> we're, we're going to do it. We're going to win this game.
2: <laughs> look at us. Look at us. Yeah. And, and that's the only way they're going to win games. Cause uh, there's nobody, you know, I guess their offense, you know, Miles Sanders, I guess he's, he's done. Uh, he's, uh, he's no longer part of the plan at all. Apparently Chuba Harbor, this is his team. He had 22 carries. Uh, I think. Uh, you know, what did Miles Sanders have? Two, two, two carries? Yeah, uh, six mile- carries for two yards. Uh, that's what it was. Six carries for two yards. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and Bryce Young, he didn't make the big mistake, I guess, right. is uh, what you can give to him. You know, he completed two-thirds of his passes, about 170 or so, 167 yards. Uh, that's how they're going to win games, I guess. And on the other side, B. John Robinson, boy, you know, as a, as a season-long owner of his, uh, in multiple leagues, it's just been uh, just a roller coaster of emotions. Uh, you know, give him the ball. Seven carries for eleven yards. Uh, that's just not going to get it done. Uh, that puts Arthur Smith firmly on the hot seat, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, they have a lot of talent on this team, and De- Desmond Ritter he's another guy that I think will be a good quarterback. But uh, like we kind of talked about before, <laughs> I don't
1: think he will. I'm out. He's, I, I'm out. I don't believe. How don't many? Blame how here. many of these picks can we like? This was. He's had seven or eight just like horrendous interceptions this year. I think I think the one that he threw at the end of this game was was the worst one yet. I don't, I don't even know who it was intended for. I have no idea.
2: And the the announcers are the same way. Like who was who was that to exactly on the goal line? You know the the ball got thrown to uh, to nobody. So you know just another just another brutal effort. The bandwagon is definitely lighter uh, for good reason on Desmond Ritter.
1: Yeah, this this game played out, I think, exactly like just about anybody expected. You knew it'd be low scoring. I mean, terrible weather, no fans in Carolina. I mean, it was like twenty mile per hour winds. It was pouring rain the entire afternoon. Yeah. Both teams fittingly started by going out on downs on their respective first possessions, and mm-hmm. that was followed by eight straight punts. So you know, you're watching this game, just thinking, man. Like, and and this is every Atlanta game, right? Like they they typically find yeah. a way to to get a minor lead at some point, which they did. They, they scored the first touchdown of the game. Uh, you know, hit a, a big play to Janu Smith and then set up a short touchdown by Cordero Patterson. And, you know, kind of like we, what we were saying with the, the Bears-Browns game, where it's just, or even Tennessee-Houston, it's like just, if you could tack on one more score at any point the rest of the game, you're probably fine. And Atlanta just, they can't do it. They can't do it. You know, they, they fumbled on the previous possession, Dijon Robinson, fumbling at his own 20-yard line to give the Carolina Panthers their second field goal to make that a one-score game. Uh, And then putting together a really nice drive and more importantly, running off a bunch of clock because Carolina does not score quickly. Like they need as much time as possible to go down the field, you know, Atlanta 11 plays, you work it all the way down to the Carolina, uh, you know, 18 yard line. And then that's where that interception comes on second down. I mean, you had a, you had a chip shot field goal, just sitting there. Uh, You'd be better off just taking a knee than letting Desmond Ritter throw that ball. And on top of all that, you know, you're still leading, even after the interception, you know, you're still leading. Carolina takes over at its own five-yard line. You give up a 17-play, seven and a half-minute drive to allow Carolina to win the game.
2: Uh, yeah, it was, it's that's painful. And I wonder. You know, I wonder if Taylor Haneke has another uh, has another run in them. And this is the same thing they did. Now they did this last year too. Marcus Mario kind of led them to a yeah. halfway decent. We're in contention, and then they just benched him because they knew Desmond Ritter was the future. He single-handedly lost them all their games, and they missed the playoffs. So. You know, maybe this is a reversal. Uh, maybe they bench Desmond Ritter, bring in Heineke, and he leads them to the playoffs. And and then we all know Desmond Ritter is not the answer in Atlanta.
1: Yeah, and this is un- unconscionable loss by by Atlanta and, and and Arthur Smith. I mean, it's just it's brutal. Um, you know, Bijan Tyler Algier ended up splitting snaps, splitting the the workload relatively evenly. We actually saw Algier used a little bit more on the ground. He goes fourteen for forty five. Uh, not not a banner day whatsoever for Bijan. You know, top of the fumble seven carries for 11 yards. But in this type of game, I feel like it actually suited Tyler Algier a little bit better. Like, I think he's the back that you want in these, you know, sloppy, uh, you know, three yards in the cloud of dust type of games.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Bijan was averaging about 16 and a half carries a game yep. over the last month. Um, they clearly went a different direction. You know, after, even after the fumble, they each had a kind of the, about the same amount of carries. So I don't right. know if it was held personally against him or anything, but you're right. They, they definitely went with uh with Tyler down the stretch or throughout the game, oh, actually. Yeah.
1: Colts, Bears, and Saints uh, are the remaining schedule for the Atlanta Falcons. That Colts game uh, on Christmas Eve will be a big one. Rams 28, Commanders 20. Uh, this was a game that, that was really controlled by the Rams. Got a, a little bit squirrely late. Uh, you know, the Rams were up 20 to nothing. They were up 28-7. Uh, you know, Washington tacked on its second touchdown with about seven minutes left. Quick three and out right after that by the Rams. And then, uh, you know, the, the the Commanders put in a touchdown with a minute 45 remaining uh rams ended up you know recovering the onside kick and running it out from there but to me a, a little bit misleading in terms of the final score uh I, I mean the rams the rams got whatever they wanted early on you know kyron williams he, he goes 27 for 152 and a touchdown big day for cooper cup eight for 111 and a score puka dakua got his five for 50 uh, another nice game for matthew stafford uh you know some defensive letdowns at the end but Ah, uh, this Rams team, like they—they they feel like they should be better than seven and seven to me. It feels like they win every week, and yet they're they're somehow seven and seven.
2: Yeah, you know, at the start of the season, I had them pegged as one of the bottom four or five teams in the NFL. I thought they would be horrible. I thought Matthew Stafford was, you know, he was kind of just banged up all the time, uh, you know, last year. And I thought uh, this is the beginning of the end. They they sold their soul to win that Super Bowl, and kudos to them. And now they're going to pay the Piper for it. And instead, um, you know, they've been great and this Kyron Williams uh what a workhorse uh, I did not see that coming either you know last two games last two games 25 for 114 and then what 27 for 120 121 oh 150 he hit a yeah. lot of yards that's right um uh, and and a touchdown so you know Sean McVay uh kudos to him uh, he's a he's he's proving his metal as well he, oh. he already proved it um but he's still proving it um and you know from a Washington side this is just dead team walking at this point uh, I like Sam Howell. I don't, uh, you know, I, I think he's fine. Obviously, they're missing their running back, which hurts. Uh, and the defense, you know, you, you watch part of the game, and it looks like they're trying. You know, it doesn't look like they've completely given up. It looks like they're still playing for Ron Rivera. But I think deep down, to, it's just not there anymore. Uh, it's over. They're, they're You know, everybody's done after this year. And, you know, Sam Howell got benched. He's still their guy. But, yeah, I think this is a, a really nice win for the Rams.
1: Yeah, got benched after throwing a pick early in the fourth quarter. And that – Felt like the final straw. I mean, it was not a it's not a banner day for Howell before that. Eleven for twenty six, did have one touchdown and then that pick, and that was it. But in step, Jacoby Percent, he does it every year. Doesn't matter what he's gonna. I think his goal is to play for all thirty two teams at some point. And it, it does feel like whenever a team turns to him, like he can at least give you you know reasonably average quarterback play. Uh, and he was the one that led those final two touchdown drives. You know, eight for ten for one twenty four and the two scores. So you know, Washington's four and ten right now. Uh, you know, wild card is off the table. They, they actually have a pretty tough schedule at the Jets, home for the 49ers, home for the Cowboys the rest of the way. I don't think there's a lot of merit in playing Jacoby Brissett at this point. I, I don't I don't think they view him as a, a quarterback of the future there. So I would be surprised if if Sam Howell is you know, on the bench for, for any of these final three games. But uh, you never know. I mean, the, the Commanders are one of those teams that doesn't always operate rationally.
2: Right. Well, maybe they'll just put him in concussion protocol just to sit him. Very possible. Uh, so, so he doesn't get absolutely destroyed by the next three opponents. Throw poor Jacoby Brissett, the, the yeah. greatest uh, – apparently the greatest preparer of a backup quarterback ever because you're right. Anywhere he goes, he's ready uh, for the – he's ready for the hook. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, that's, a, that's a tough stretch for Washington yeah. and, and Howell you know at one point was on pace to be sacked more than any quarterback in the history of the NFL uh, in a single yeah. season. So maybe just bench him. You know, I don't know. you know, Ron Rivera is not going to be the coach of, of this team next year. I can't imagine. Yeah. So maybe he has nothing to lose. Maybe he'll just throw Howell out there anyway uh, for some for some pride, and he doesn't really care. But, uh, yeah, their season is done, and the Rams look great.
1: Yeah. Last notes that I have on this game, McLaurin finally got going. Six for 141 in a touchdown. You know, that had been you know kind of one of the sad themes for fantasy this year is that Sam Howell, you know, for, for most of the season was putting up these big fantasy numbers. They're not winning games when he's piling up yardage, he's piling up touchdowns, and yet it wasn't mm-hmm. funneling to Terry McLaurin whatsoever. Uh, but that did change this week. I mean, still not an overly efficient game. Only six of 12 targets received, uh, but 141 yards and a touchdown. The other two go into Curtis Samuel. And then we talked about Kyron Williams, man. Number two in the NFL in terms of fantasy points per game in PPR leagues uh, at the running back position. He trails only Christian McCaffrey there. And you know he ranks as the RB8 in total fantasy points. And that's with him missing four games in the middle of the season. So this, this has truly been a, a special year for Kyron Williams couple more games to get to, uh, and then I'm just, this is all just one long podcast to prolong talking about Jags Ravens, which we'll do last, Uh, but we got 49ers Cardinals, and then we'll we'll talk a little Bills Cowboys. The Niners, man, 45-29, even a game where the defense doesn't play all that well, you you let up uh, some garbage time scores to Arizona. The Cardinals ran for almost 250 yards as a team. Uh, We saw Amari DiMarcado ripped off a long one. James Conner had a 40 plus yard run. Uh, so it, it's something that we say every week about San Francisco. And it's the reason that I feel like I'm always lobbying my, my partner in the circuit contest to just, just use the 49ers. I don't care who they're playing. I don't care what the number is because even when they play like a B, B minus game on defense, it just doesn't seem to matter.
2: No. And you talk about, you know, we talked about our fantasy teams, you know, going to the championship or playing in the semifinals. It's no coincidence that my team is led by McCaffrey and Brock Purdy. Uh, I have both of them on my fantasy team. But what one more can be said uh, about McCaffrey? You know, I think he's probably the leading scorer in all of fantasy again this yep. week. Uh, Forty-one points, another awesome game. He's just uh, he's just great. Um, Arizona, you know, James Connor, you know, now that he's back from entry, they're more competent uh, on, on offense, a little more consistent. He had that big run, like you said, he had eighty-six yards, he had a touchdown. I guess a very good, you know, Niners team. Um, you know, they're three and two when he rushes for over seventy yards. And 0-9 when he doesn't or when he's out. So maybe James Conner needs to be more the focus of this offense. Uh, you know, I don't know how many years he has left in him. But uh, you know, that's the silver lining if you're Arizona.
1: Yeah, I think Arizona hung around about as well as they could have. Um in this defense, you know, we know they've they've been terrible all season. It seems like they get worse every week. They're basically bottom three in any advanced metric that you want to look at. Uh, but they, you know, they scored first. They were basically going score for score with San Francisco early on. Um, and you know, it it was 21 to 13 at the half, you know, started to get a little bit out of hand after that. But uh, you know, the big plays were there for Arizona. That's not always something you could do, you know, against the San Francisco defense. Kyler Murray did throw two picks, you know, that certainly didn't help the cause, but you know, the running game for Arizona, I think that's the big positive. Trey McBride, you know, really interested to see where he's gonna go in fantasy next year. Uh part of that depends on you know how they kind of restructure this team, uh, potentially around Kyler Murray or, or you know, whoever the quarterback ends up being. I would imagine it'll be Kyler. Uh, but ten for one hundred and two on eleven targets for McBride. He's been fantastic. Um, not a whole lot else to say, right? I mean, Brock Purdy is now minus one one hundred and ninety to win the MVP award. Christian McCaffrey, the, the definitive favorite for Offensive Player of the Year. I think for him to have this game, while Tyree Hill is sidelined, you know that that might ultimately swing that race.
2: Yeah, I could. I, w- I would go with McCaffrey. I mean, they're both. You know, Hill was on pace to have the most yards in the history yeah. of receivers. Hard to pick against him as well. Uh, but McCaffrey just in, you know, week in, week out, you know, now that he's finally healthy, you know, after he leaves Carolina, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's just a, he's just a force to be reckoned with for sure.
1: Yeah. Two more touchdowns for Debo Samuel. And then uh, last note, you know, Brock Purdy at one point did look like he might get knocked out of this game. Took a hard hit, uh, was evaluated, you know, on the sideline, Sam Darnold came in for, for a series, uh, but Purdy able to return and and look like himself. So 49ers dodging a bullet there. Cowboys bills. I, I thought this would be the game of the week, Adam. Uh, it certainly had all the characteristics of a game of the week, and yet the Buffalo Bills run away with this one. Uh, you know, kind of felt to me like a, a reversal of what we saw in the Dallas Philly game.
2: Yeah, I was I was shocked by this one, and I knew Buffalo had it in them, um, but I just thought Dallas, uh, you know, had it in them also. Uh, and apparently, I'm wrong. You know, Dak yeah. Prescott on the road, he's just he's just stinky. Uh, is the best adjective I can think of. You know, he has five games this season with under 250 yards, all of them are on the road. He has five games this season where his QB rating is under 99, all on the road. Uh, he just done, doesn't get it done on the road, at least compared to at home. Um, and that uh, that was the case, again, here. And James Cook uh, was kind of the story for, for Buffalo. You know, he had career highs in basically everything. Uh, his highest snap share uh, since week eight. Um, so he's turned into that RB1 that really Buffalo has been looking for since Thurman Thomas, uh, practically, uh, was, was roaming.
1: Yeah. I saw he, you know, he had the most yards from scrimmage by any bills running backs. It's Fred Jackson, the Fred Jackson, I think okay, in 2010, uh, you know, obviously the, the bills have had answers here and there. You know, LaShawn McCoy had some nice years, Marshawn Lynch early on. Um, but those were different teams. Yeah. You know, those were not Super Bowl contending teams. And I think since the bills have entered that contender stratosphere, you know, that's kind of been something that's been missing is a bell cow back James Cook. He looks the part, man, 25 for 179 in a score uh, kind of carrying over what we saw a week ago. You know, they built that lead early on against Kansas City on the back of James Cook, who was averaging like seven yards per carry through the first few quarters. And for whatever reason, got away from it, you know, trying to put the ball in Josh Allen's hands. We saw the complete opposite here. Like once they got up, they just said, all right, we're going to keep running James Cook. We're going to keep running Ty Johnson, you know, Latavius Murray. Sure. Go in there, carry the ball five times, get in the end zone. Josh Allen. I mean, I'm with you. I, I, I'm i not shocked that Buffalo won this game. You know, it kind of felt like, to me, this almost felt like predetermined that for whatever reason, the Bills are going to win this. They're going to be back in the mix. Uh, no matter what, we were going to come out of this game, either saying the Cowboys are winning the Super Bowl or the Cowboys are frauds. And we could say the same thing about the Buffalo Bills. Now everybody's back on Buffalo. I did not see this being as lopsided as it was. And I, I'm not, I, I thought we'd get a shootout. You know, I, I think my final score prediction was like 34, 31 Bills. Josh Allen threw the ball 15 times. Josh Allen was 7 of 15 for 94 yards, and the Bills beat the Cowboys by three touchdowns.
2: Yeah. I thought, uh, you know, Dallas, when Dallas was at plus two and a half, I thought this is a great number because if they lose, it's going to be on some heartbreaking field goal at the end, mm-hmm. and it, it's going to be an awesome scene at Orchard Park. And, uh, you know, instead it was 31 to three uh, at one point, and uh, it just wasn't, this wasn't pretty. And yeah, if you're a Cowboys fan, uh, you know, the sky probably is falling. Because you knew this was your thing. You knew we're awesome at home, we stink on the road. Here's our chance. Here's our real litmus test to see if we can turn that around and the complete opposite happened. and you know if yeah. they, you know they're, they're gonna have to go to Philly and San Francisco potentially to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, I you know to see them winning one or two of those games is it just doesn't, uh, doesn't feel right. Yeah. Bills were also
1: down AJ Epinesa. They were down Micah Hyde. That's in addition to, you know, Matt Milano, Kyrie Irland, Trey White, all those guys have been on IR for the last couple of weeks. So I I think this should have been a gettable spot for Dallas, but just, you know, unable to do anything. Dak was sacked three times. All three of those were on third downs, you know, huge game changing plays uh, in each instance. Every time it felt like Dallas had any momentum, you know, there's either a penalty or a big sack that would back them up. Uh, Weirdly, not a good, not really a good fantasy day for anybody involved other than James Cook. You know, it's like, if you started Josh Allen, this is kind of a disaster. Stephon Diggs, you know, continues to crater over the second half, just four for 48 from him. Gabe Davis, second straight week with a complete goose egg. If you you played the upside play there, uh, you got burned. Um, CeeDee Lamb, you know, kind of got a bailout rushing touchdown late in the game, but even he had a down game by his standards. So uh, despite 41 points being put up and 31 of those by Buffalo, uh, really it was just kind of the James Cook show for the Bills. (sighs) All right, it's time. Ravens, Last,
2: Last and least. Right.
1: Last and least, uh, I, I I will say, like, I I think I'm just so battered right now as a Jags fan that like, I really, I went in with extremely low expectations. Those expectations were met. Uh, like the previous two weeks, like I, I live and die by Jags football, as I'm sure you do with with the Packers and so many other teams. I was just lifeless last night. You know, Trevor Lawrence is just, you know, handing the ball to the Buffalo bill or to the Buffalo bills, the Baltimore Ravens, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Brandon McManus is missing field goals left and right. The Jags are throwing it inbounds with, with no timeouts left and seven seconds on the clock in the second quarter, and I, I, I didn't feel anything. I, I'm just numb right now.
2: Well, and like you said, litmus test. Uh, you know, that was a litmus test for the Dallas Cowboys. It was kind of one for the Jacksonville Jaguars because they're kind of teetering on the, are they a true contender in the AFC or are they not? And, you know, to host a Ravens team that is a true contender and to, to just kind of lay an egg, uh, basically, at home in prime time, uh, has to be hugely disappointing for all Jaguars fans. Not that I'm rubbing it in or anything or pouring. Well, we we got
1: to talk about it objectively. You're right, man. I mean, the worst part is it it felt like everything else this week, like all the results that the Jaguars needed, also didn't go their way. It's like Colts win, Tennessee somehow finds a way to to blow that game against Houston. That was huge. Uh, you know, all these other teams that you're you're starting to look at, like man, if the Jags lose their grip on the division, which is very possible because I, I think they could easily lose uh, to Tampa Bay this coming week. If they lose the grip on the division, then you have to start looking at the wild card, and you know their schedule is still favorable the rest of the way. Like, if they can't get to ten wins, I don't know what to tell you because you finish out with the Panthers and the Titans. Those should both be those should both be wins. Uh, but this team has real, real, real problems, man. I mean, they're injured on the defensive side. They're just bad on the defensive side. The offensive line is is a joke. I mean, they had like five false start penalties that were all huge last night. Uh, once again, predictably, could not run the ball whatsoever. Uh, it, it felt like they're they're legislated by the NFL to start every drive with Travis Etienne one-yard gain. Uh, I mean, there's just no push on this offensive line. Etienne 10 for 31. That has been a, a pretty common theme over the last month for the Jags. And, you know, if you're putting everything on Trevor Lawrence, like I, I still think he's that guy. I know a lot of people were questioning him on Twitter last night, not saying he played the, the greatest game of his life by any means, but it, it's really tough for even the best quarterbacks in the NFL. If there's no threat to run and you're going up against a good defense, and you're also down your most trusted target in Christian Kirk. I mean, good luck, man. I, I don't know how anybody expected Jacksonville to, to end up with a positive result here. And yet, you know, if McManus doesn't miss two field goals, if you don't cough up a fumble, if you just take the points and kick the field goal before half, I, I think this is a much different game. I mean, Baltimore didn't even play yeah. all that well. I think the Jags once again beat themselves.
2: Yeah, and Calvin Ridley looked great uh, again. Yeah. Touchdown or no touchdown, uh, notwithstanding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird like
1: 20-minute but... argument ongoing on the broadcast.
2: Right. And it's still going on.
1: Uh, I, I woke up I woke up this morning yeah, when I think everybody uh, was like, it's garbage games. time, man. We don't really care that much. Thank you,
2: Terry. But you know, no no Christian Kirk, obviously. And he's gonna be back in the, for the playoffs if they get to the playoffs, yeah, hopefully. We'll but uh, you know, really had twelve targets, he had thirteen last week. Uh he's a guy that, you know, if he if he's part of your fantasy lineup going into the semifinals and finals, uh you gotta be pretty happy with that Christian Kirk as now well because Trevor Lawrence is definitely looking Calvin Ridley's way. Um, you know, as far as Baltimore goes, losing Keaton Mitchell. Just as Huge. he's starting to ascend as this, uh, you know, they've been kind of a running back by committee all season long, ever since J.K. went out in, in week one. Uh, losing him is a, is a big deal, but, you know, Gus Edwards is not the worst backup in, in the league, obviously. And you still have Lamar Jackson there. So, um, I, you know, I, there's a lot to like if you're, uh, if you're a Baltimore fan because that defense looked uh, very good. Jacksonville, you know, had a lot of issues. Um, Baltimore forced a lot of issues and was able to, you know, do what they needed to do and that offense, uh, you know, if Lamar Jackson's running for 90 yards. Uh that's going to be a very tough team to beat uh, in the, in January.
1: Especially this version of Lamar because you watch him he's not he's not looking to run in ways that he was in years yeah. past. Like I feel like there were very few designed runs for Lamar Jackson last night if any. Uh you know like they kind of used to run that that more, you know, old school uh, attack where you, know, you kind of have more option plays things like that and and they're Lamar is so smart about not taking hits and you know, they, they did a good job on yeah. the broadcast of highlighting you, you get that kind of reverse overhead cam where you can see, you know, he's just, he's always moving his feet, you know, he's dancing around in the pocket, but without, without scrambling, like he's still in the pocket, but you know, Jacksonville just didn't know how to attack him. He had guys overrunning. He had guys who thought they had a chance at him. You know, there's, I think it was Dewan Smoot, you know, thought he had a sack at one point, you know, kind of caught Lamar uh, with his bicep and Lamar just kind of ducked his way out of it, ended up picking up a first down. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a poor defensive game for Jacksonville, but I also think to me, it just felt like that's Lamar Jackson. Yeah, you know, that's a, an MVP caliber quarterback. Like he, he's yeah. just, sometimes that's, you're just going to get beat by a good player like him. Uh, I mean, the Keaton Mitchell thing, you can't really overstate just how much that, that's a blow to, to Baltimore. And it feels like this happens to them every single year, man, every single year. You know, obviously JK Dobbins has had his issues, like right when Keaton Mitchell starts to emerge. And to me, he is the, he's the skeleton key for this offense. He's the type of back that they have just not had in recent years. Um, you know, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, like, yeah, those guys could fill in. But to me, Keaton Mitchell is that piece that takes you from, like, okay, a team that maybe could make the Super Bowl to, all right, if you're matched up against, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs or the Buffalo Bills and the AFC title game, like Keaton Mitchell is that swing piece that maybe puts you over the top and not having him the rest of the way. I mean, I know you get the win. I know you're, you're on track for the one seed. I I just think that is that is so, so huge.
2: Yeah, that's a, it's a bummer. Uh, you know, you don't like to see that. But, you know, Lamar Jackson, I thought – uh, I thought I wasn't sure if they made the if the team made the right move when they basically you know folded to his hostage demands uh, during the offseason, but uh, it was the right move because he's all he's been awesome uh, this year. And you're right, you know, you could you could tell he's a veteran that knows what he's doing now. Uh, you used to you used to kind of take off a lot, they used, they used to scheme for his runs. Now he he looks to pass, and if it's not there, uh, you know, he'll take off uh, for a lot of yards because he's still, uh, you know, just an elite uh, athlete. All right,
1: man. Anything else from this game or from week 15 that you want to get off your chest?
2: I don't think so. Um, you know, I'm uh, I'm looking for You know, it's it's fun to have seven teams in the playoffs for each side. I thought it was almost a, l- a little watered down at first. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many games you can point to now for next week and even looking forward to the next couple of weeks that are essentially, you know, playoff games uh, already for a lot of these teams. There's a lot of uh, a lot of division races that are up for grabs. So I, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's a good thing now. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, we look forward to Seattle Philly tonight. Uh, I'm on the Eagles. Uh, I, I know you have some, uh, some interest in that as well. We'll, we'll see what Jalen Hurts Maybe. status ends up being uh, checking RotoWire right now. Still listed as questionable, no official decision on him. I would be pretty yeah. surprised if Hurts doesn't play.
2: Yeah, I want him to play. Cause I, uh, I have <laughs> one of my, well, <laughs> first off, yeah. Eagles. I love the Eagles. They're in my Circa. Uh, lineup i think uh, you know the eagles have gone through, through such a gauntlet in yeah. the last five weeks they played the cowboys twice you know they, they got blown out by the cowboys and the 49ers the last two weeks but before that they had beaten the cowboys beaten the bills beaten the chiefs it's just a long stretch i think this is going to feel like a breath of fresh air taking a seahawks defense at the bottom 10 versus run bottom 10 versus the pass uh a banged up geno smith uh you know if, if he plays i assume he will. Um, so yeah, I, I like Philly in this one. I think Jalen Hurts is going to have a big game. Um, and I think, uh, I think Tyler Lockett, uh, is actually going to have a decent game too. Uh,
1: I hope you're wrong about that. I need Tyler Lockett to do almost nothing for me to, to win a fantasy <laughs> playoff matchup tonight. So I'm hoping that Geno Smith is out, which by the way, we, we've, we've got nothing in the last 24 hours. I know as of yesterday morning, Jay Glazer said that he's facing a quote uphill battle to play tonight. So I, I think as of right now, it might see Drew Locke uh, against uh, an ill Jalen Hurts, but and I- all right, go
2: ahead. If I yeah, if if I'm uh, if I'm back in the Eagles, which I am, I would rather have a banged up Geno Smith out there, uh, yes. you know, struggling around than a Drew Lock who's going to sling it. Uh, it might throw for 340 yards, three touchdowns, and four interceptions, and who knows how that's going to end up uh, for either side. Then I would like DK Metcalf more uh, <laughs> if you know for a fact uh, Drew Lock's yes. going to be out there because he's a matchup nightmare. He's so inconsistent uh, with Geno Smith uh, under center, but Drew Lock uh, he's just going to chuck it up there and expect DK to get it, bring it down, which he will. All right, Adam.
1: Appreciate you joining me, man. Uh, filling in for Jeff. Mm-hmm. I know those are huge shoes to fill, uh, but you nailed it. And uh, looking forward to talking to you on the XM show. Maybe we'll have to have you on later this week.
2: Yeah, sounds good, man. Have a good uh, Have a good holiday week, uh, everybody. If I don't talk to you.
1: All right, same to you, brother. Uh, good luck to everybody. If you're still hanging around the fantasy playoffs, if you got any interest on the betting side uh, or the fantasy side in this Philly uh, Seattle game tonight, and We'll be back next week to recap week 16 already of the NFL season.